Hi there. I'm James. I am the pastor of the Freedom Moravian Church, and this is The Essentials, a little podcast where we can explore our faith a little bit further and celebrate some good news and some hope that we see out in the world. For today's episode, I have our scripture lessons and our message from Sunday, October 8th. The first lesson came from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, 7 through 9, and 12 through 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol for yourself, no form whatsoever, of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. Remember the Sabbath and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks. Honor your father and your mother so that your life will be long on the fertile land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the horn and the mountain smoking, the people shook with fear and stood at a distance. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak to us or we'll die. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid because God has come only to test you and to make sure you are always in awe of God so that you don't sin. Our gospel reading came from the gospel of Matthew chapter 21 verses 33 through 46. Listen to another parable. There's a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he rented it to tenant farmers and took a trip. When it was time for harvest, he sent his servants to the tenant farmers to collect his fruit. But the tenant farmers grabbed his servants. They beat some of them, and some of them they killed. Some of them they stoned to death. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first group. They treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenant farmers saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come on, let's kill him, and we'll have his inheritance. They grabbed him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do with those tenant farmers? They said he will totally destroy those wicked farmers and rent the vineyard to other tenant farmers who will give him the fruit when it's ready. Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that God's kingdom will be taken away from you and will be given to a people who produce its fruit. Whoever falls on this stone will be crushed, 
and the stone will crush the person it falls on. Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard the parable, they knew Jesus was talking about them. They were trying to arrest him, but they feared the crowds who thought he was a prophet. Here ends the reading of our word. Now for those who joined us in worship in person this past Sunday, as they arrived, they would have noticed that it was an incredibly busy week around our church grounds. And busy is an accurate word, but maybe a better one would be that it was a loud week. Because as I mentioned before, several of the trees around here reached their maturity, or they need branches that had to be cut or trimmed, and we've for the last two weeks, had a crew out there cutting and sawing and grinding the trees away. And by the end of that first week, I was pretty impressed with my ability to tune out all of those loud sounds of machinery, of things getting sawed down. But no matter how much I could ignore, there was no getting used to the giant thuds that shook the earth when a big branch or a chunk of trunk hit the ground. Each time, it felt like the building was going to collapse. And as Jesus talks about another scene in a vineyard this morning, something that was planted and cared for, something that was so beloved, as I thought about the vineyard from Jesus, I started to think of the yard around here as a precious vineyard something planted and cared for by so many people. And I was curious to think of who was here when some of those trees were first planted, who watched them grow, who mowed the lawn throughout the years, what pastors were here, what families walked with these dozens of trees as they went through the best and the worst of Wisconsin weather. And I know, like with the vineyard in the story from Jesus, there is a sense of loss, a sense of pain when that precious thing changes or brings about a conclusion or a result that wasn't the intention. And as people have watched the change here at our church, there has been some grief. Watching those trees go, seeing the change wondering what is happening to this precious place that we all adore. Now, as Jesus brings up another story in a vineyard, he's actually quoting a story from Isaiah, a love song, really. It's a song from God to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are this precious vineyard that God has planted, protected, and cared for. It's the most beautiful thing God has created. But it didn't bring about the results that God was expecting. After all of the effort, the vineyard only produced bad fruit. And in that passage from Isaiah, you can feel God's heart break as this vineyard falls short of the expectations. There's nothing that God loves more, but all of the hopes of good and wonderful life have been dashed. 
And from that song in Isaiah, Jesus talks about another vineyard that is cared for, is loved deeply, but brings about turmoil and change. As these wicked servants, these wicked tenant farmers, kill the servants who come to collect, they kill more servants when they were sent, and finally they kill the landowner's son. And you just imagine how his heart would break, seeing this beloved thing of his bringing so much pain and agony. And it's cruel how something that you care for so much can either fall into the wrong hands or can just succumb to the changes of the world. And it's brought down an entirely different path than the one that you have imagined. For it. Because in the same way that God cares for these vineyards in the story, God cares for us. But we have vineyards in our own lives as well. We have things that are special or celebrated in our eyes, but they aren't immune to the troubles and the changes that the world can bring. And when we check back in on them to see that they've changed in a way we didn't expect, or maybe they've been destroyed completely, it's our hearts that break. Now, while I didn't plant it, there's a spot in Door County where I grew up that is a vineyard in my life. It's called Whitefish Bay Dunes, or we called it The Dunes. And it was essential to my childhood and young adult years. It's a place that I care for as a vineyard deeply. We had our training runs there in high school and in junior high, and I would get there as much as I could when I was home from college. We'd park just down the road at Clark's Lake by the beach, and then we'd run into the trails. And once you were there, you could just get lost. It's like time and space had their own dimension in the dunes. The trails weren't flat, but they weren't hilly. There was almost a constant shade from the summer sun, and it was always eight degrees cooler out by Lake Michigan. And from the woods to the back roads to the fields, it was the perfect place to run. And I have logged countless miles with cherished friends there over the years. As God writes a love song to the vineyard in Isaiah, I think it would be a very appropriate for me to write a love song to the dunes, because that's how I feel about that vineyard. And while I'd get there almost daily from spring until fall when I was home, I couldn't get there as much when I got older. And each time that I returned, I could only notice the ways that my precious vineyard was changing. Some of my lesser, some of my favorite lesser known trails were starting to be overgrown because apparently the shoes of cross country runners were the only things that were maintaining their shape. There was a boardwalk that passed through this little swamp and it connected two of the main trails in the park, but that boardwalk collapsed and it stayed out of order for multiple years as they waited to fix it. 
then finally, I noticed how the carefree nature in which I used to cover those trails in high school, well, that was lost as well. It was once mileage that was only concerned with dreams of state titles and laughing with my friends, and now each time I went out there, it was silent. And the worries of the day managed to creep through the dense forest. Once it left my care, it felt like my vineyard was starting to fall apart. It didn't follow the course that I had laid out for it. And the cruel effects of time and change have left it scarred and beaten. Oh, what could have been for that precious vineyard of mine? And I wonder how often that's what God thinks of this creation. How God can lament over the state of this beloved being. Because whether it's through neglect, negligence, or even wicked acts of destruction, the vineyard that God has planted is broken. And over the years, it has produced so much bad fruit. And no matter what help God sends to try and correct things, to make it right, it seems like our world is just getting worse. And we wonder, where is the hope that we cling to when the chaos, the change, and destruction is just so powerful? And when the landowner of that parable, after losing two sets of servants, when he sends his son as a final attempt to restore order only for his son to be killed as well, we're tempted to think that violence and greed are going to win. They have stomped out the future life, the future hope of the vineyard. But as Jesus brings the son into the parable to predict his own death, his followers are going to see how the seemingly infinite capacity for violence in humanity is going to stomp out something good in Jesus as well. But we know that the hate and the destruction we find doesn't get to finish that story. And it's through the resurrection of Jesus that we see the story continue. Through his life from the grave, we see hope when all feels hopeless. We find light in that time of darkness. And we believe that love will be more powerful than hate always. And this vineyard that God loves, this beloved creation that we are a part of, that God values more than anything, it truly belongs to God and to God's kingdom. And there's no amount of change or destruction here on earth that pulls us away from the truth that we belong to God. Now, the last time I was running at the dunes, and I was lamenting, as I've become accustomed to, lamenting to how the world 
was chipping away at my beloved precious thing, destroying how sacred it was in my eyes. That day, I finally started to see things a little bit differently. Because I ran by what could have been clones of my junior high self and my best friend, as the two of them navigated the trails. And who knows how many years and miles they will accumulate in there, caring for their vineyard together. And I also saw a young family take a detour from the established path that I knew like the back of my hand. They left it for a new trail, one that I had never seen before. And I started to see a future in the dunes, in that vineyard, taking shape. Even if it was a future different from the one that I had envisioned. Now friends, the things that are precious to us, they weigh so heavily on our hearts as they change, as they evolve, or as they bring about a result we didn't plan or predict. Sometimes even as they decay and pass away. But it's our faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that helps us see this world we live in in a different way. And if we are truly able to see new life and eternity when we stand beside a grave, surely we can see and celebrate the new things that God is doing with what has been familiar, with what is beloved in our lives. And as God makes those changes, we are meant to see seeds of hope and renewal starting to grow. Amen. As always, thank you for listening to another episode. You are welcome to check out the church that I serve, the Freedom Moravian Church. You can find our website. You can follow us on Facebook or worship with us on YouTube. You can learn more about the Moravian Church as a whole by going to moravian.org. So take care. Be well. I will catch you next time.